Yeah, I mean... And this all started with sneakers, just so you know. I right. snuck in a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, God. Um, Man, I'm good doing well with the puns today. Dear God. I'm going to have to edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix there's this uh, new show from made by Netflix called The Frankenstein Chronicles it stars Sean Penn Sean Bean I, I, I never remember his name that's an important distinction <laughs> yeah it's one of them um, he's it, whoever whoever Eddard Stark was because I remember his name so perfectly from books it's embarrassing he's not even a real human being What's wrong it with was that? him I, I, I can rec- I can tell you names from books really easily I cannot tell you actual living people's names though i mean do you think that that's by virtue of you having to do all of the imaginatory work at reading fiction like you have to generate characters in your head based on descriptions and so you put more effort into remembering them yeah i mean on this same on the same train of thought uh there is a i don't know why they did this but on in linguistics uh ling- some linguists uh met up and worked on a research project with some neuroscientists, and they wanted to look at how nouns in English, this is all in English, how nouns in English differ from verbs, but then they, they were finding that um, this also happened, the same, the same issue between verbs and nouns in other languages. Um, what, it was similar to what English was doing, and so they, they concluded that, you know, we need to study multiple languages. So anyways, they started mapping how languages work, the linguists did it, and then they and then the um, the uh, neuroscientists imported that stuff into data culminators and all that fun stuff. And so um, then they did brain scans, uh, F, fMRIs, to see how people under, how people either hear or think about verbs or nouns and consistently with nouns there is microseconds delays versus verbs and so what what they what the linguists then determined is that when somebody is recalling nouns they're having to say like when i say blake i'm not i'm not pulling up an image of blake i'm pulling up this very large map with tendrils and let's you know dendrites since we're talking about the brain these dendrites sticking off the sides of this concept of Blake which then connect to all of these other nouns and all of these other verbs and anything that you've done um, or said or heard or felt or discussed with me and blah 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 um, and so nouns nouns are these extremely complex systems of thought that we use to interpret the world and so they take more thought than verbs do whereas verbs are if i think jump you can think of an image of someone jumping but that verb isn't connected to tons of other materials you'd have to connect it whereas verbs come packaged with data already in it Hmm. because our brains have have to store nouns it's really fascinating Hmm. that's okay that was one of the other twenty thousand um word essays that i read this this week sometimes i get bored at work 
Well, that's a luxury that I wish I had is is being able to read at work. That's that's one of the things that um, I, I one day aspire to. <laughs> so what are the other essays that you read that were um, that long? One was about loneliness and how and pretty much pretty much what you sent me. Um, I, what is it called? I sent you a Cigna study on yeah, Americans with loneliness. Pretty much whatever that said, this article also spoke about. This, this The statistics were a little bit different in the article, but uh, pretty much our generation is, for some strange reason, one of the loneliest generations. We, we, we're just lonely, and, and our, our fix for it is to develop romantic relationships, but the romantic relationships that we're developing are are unhealthy because they're not they're they're not uh, they're not for the purpose of longevity they're for the purpose of fixing the loneliness but that fixing of the loneliness is is it's this it's a sickness that in, then invades the relationship because there's this in inside inside the 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 want to get away from loneliness we need the person to do special acts of kindness and love but because but because we're we're seeking those things and expecting those things, we sometimes forget that we don't talk about or share in in a radical honesty way to take something from um, a book written by the lady who helped develop Netflix. Uh, we d- we don't we don't handle each other's expectations in a healthy way because we want someone to fulfill that, um, and we don't we we've not spent enough time with ourselves to understand the the expectations that we're carrying around and trying to fit like um we're tr- we're trying to fit these squares and in, into these triangular holes to make that relationship work. Hmm. Why do you think that is romance that we're turning to because I think the loneliness thing can be diagnosed independently of the mm-hmm. whether or not you have a partner kind of thing. I mean, oh, it, right. it's yeah, yeah. Obviously going to help if you have someone living with you that right. you have day-to-day interactions with um that you can confide in and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, there's clearly other solutions as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, the, something that comes to mind is like, you know, being on a, a sports team, like just yeah. for fun and like building relationships that way and having mm-hmm. something to aim for. Like there's, there's practices and there's games that you have a goal of winning mm-hmm. and like there's purpose and meaning imbued in all of those things. And I, I think like, I, as someone who is otherwise pretty lonely, like mm-hmm. not, not when you say the word lonely, it sounds super sad and it can be, but like maybe independent is the less sad sounding version of that. Right. Um, yeah. That's it. It feels like a pretty easy to fix problem, even though the people who are lonely probably don't view it that way from the inside. Right. I, I agree. So, so the article covered the romantic thing. Um, if I was to step outside the article, my response to this would be when when I was a kid, we had I remember getting in in the mail pamphlets for summer camps, theater camps, camps of all sorts that you could you could you could join or go to. Sometimes they were free, sometimes they costed money, but they they were they were always marketed in the mail. And so my mom and I would sit down, we'd look through them, and we, I'd pick, you know, one or two and do that over summer. Um, I remember NASA camps. I remember uh, um, Christian camps. Not a Christian anymore, but uh, stuff like that. And so I, I, it was easy as a kid to find those things because um, the, 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 uh, the camp administrators sought you out through marketing. 
But as you grow up, you don't really have, you don't have these clubs that seek you out. Now it's all you need to find them. But the issue with you needing to find them is there's not really a lot of places that host these meetup groups. So there is like meetup.com, but meetup.com doesn't, doesn't have interests for everybody or it has, or it's, it's not, it's sometimes it's, it's not the, the, the clubs that you could meet up with. They're not well attended. Um, there's always people interchanging. It's, it's, it's almost transient in some sense with the, uh, with the people who do attend. So I, as an adult, you don't have, you don't have brochures that come to your house explaining, you know, these are camps you could go to, or these are clubs that you could join or anything like that. Now it's, now it's, you seek it. And so a lot of the seeking happens through going to bars or happens through going to clubs or other, as, as I would call those surface level or, or, um, like ease of access places, something with extremely low social bars, um, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, low social bars, and so I, those are not those are because those they have low social bars. They don't. They're not going to have those quality meetup groups you're looking for. It would be more sheer luck that you meet someone you're interested in. Yeah. Uh, so, that's my problem with adult life. Adult life doesn't. We don't have. We don't have a place. We don't have a place. We don't have anybody, I guess, quote unquote, looking out for you. We don't have a place that tries to integrate all these disparate clubs that, you know, help provide adult life with enjoyment or understanding or learning or possible new experiences. I guess, like, one of the questions I have then is like, why is this unique to our generation? And I like where my brain wants to move from there is like, we, we are progressively as a generation, not going to church. And mm-hmm. um, it feels like the absence of that yeah. community organizer, that kind of central hub that like you're saying, brings all these disparate clubs and interest into one physical space um, with a routine time and, and all that sort of thing with expectations that are not so low bar um, right. as you're suggesting. Like it feels like, the decline of church attendance um, might be one of those explanations, but I feel like we kind of have that with the role that the university plays for our generation right now, mm-hmm. where it's very common to be kind of like a student for life sort of thing where you always yeah. are going back and getting another degree or whatever that may be. It's mm-hmm. like it's student is one of those really convenient identities that is kind of like when someone asks you what you're doing with your life, people just kind of nod and say good for you when they don't really, I don't know that they fully understand what that means in a person's life and it's like a university has literal clubs that Mm -hmm. literally advertise and get in your face and try to get you to join and it's like that's a good place to find some meaning but um even then i always ran into the barrier of like you're saying kind of the transient attendance like Mm -hmm. the fact that some clubs are more successful than others and um i would imagine this is true of like different size universities and different size cities like you talk about meetup.com like um, I bet meetup.com is a lot better in New York City than yeah, it than is. is in Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I universities, I, I would think, yeah, they function like that. Um, however, there's a lot of bureaucracy 
yeah. around those clubs, and so that's going to that's going to definitely help or at least uh, augment the transience that happens in those clubs because mm-hmm. bureaucracy has to be fought sometimes. Uh, yeah. And so I think I think a lot of the clubs that I'm talking about, if they're if they if they even exist, function without bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. They function as social clubs out out in the world that don't have boundaries. They, they have self-made ones. Yeah. Um, but the issue with that is of course it's word of mouth mm-hmm. and, uh, and is our, uh, this sounds like I'm an old person asking this, but is our generation good with word of mouth? I don't know. It depends on what you mean by word of mouth because yeah. like, in a sense, we tag all these places on social media where we go. Like if we mm-hmm. go out to eat or go out to the bar or wherever, like we, if you put a picture up on Instagram and you put a location on it, it's like that kind of functions as word of mouth. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, I don't think that most people really pay too much attention to what other people tag, you know, no, like it's just kind of one of those I things. Mean, I don't, I can only answer that for myself. You know, I, I don't want to be cynical and say that we're only tagging it to kind of expand our map and make ourselves look more cultured. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, that's definitely incorporated in what's happening with that. As to, like, getting together with people and, like, actually discussing physically um, via Mm -hmm. word of mouth, um, I think we are doing less of that. But I don't know if that's just necessity coming at us or if we are also kind of skeptical of um, people who try to sell us on things. I mean, we do live... There has to be an increase from older generations to ours where marketing happened. I mean, there must be some type of massive influx in marketing mm-hmm. because, I mean, w- look at emails. How many emails do I delete a day that come from marketing that are mostly marketing? Mm-hmm. I have to unsubscribe to them. I, I, I create an account on, like, I have to, I had to create an account on Slack and then Slack shared my email with multiple other messaging apps. So now I have four different messaging apps on my phone because people want to communicate through different messaging apps when all I really want to use is Discord because I only want one and I can integrate a bunch of stuff through Discord rather than all of those four other silly messaging apps. It's just <laughs> irritating as hell, but all of those create, you know, new e- new letters and yeah. all that extra all that extraneous marketing crap. Um, ad revenue is has surged marketing is marketing yeah we're we're constantly fighting um uh, waves of marketing coming after us and so any type of any hustling on the street hey take this pamphlet um any type of you should join our club you know i heard about this place on wednesday and anything like that sounds like marketing to us i think we're also more guarded of our time like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we're spending it in better ways but it I think that everyone is a lot more, you know, I've heard this said about marketing a lot of times and in terms of advertising, like um, attention spans are the new currency. Um, Mm, You know, people trying to keep you focused on a task, usually scrolling on some social network or whatever. um, You know, that's really what we're trying to get, not necessarily a finite dollar amount, like a a threshold. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that attention economy, which I think we've actually spoken about on this podcast before, Um, I, I think that's one of those, like, it's kind of like the death of the front porch. Like we, when we stop kind of monitoring what everyone else is doing and we, we kind of get defensive and, and, um, distrustful towards the world outside. And so Mm -hmm. we, we stop making as many social bonds and we stop 
you know, like doing the things that held society together in other ways. And marketing becomes more effective because just, you know, the more research that's put into it, ethical or otherwise, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to become more and more fine-tuned. You know, it, it's kind of creepy when I... Uh, you think something and then it pops up on your Amazon feed. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I, I'm pretty uncomfortable whenever I mention a product and then, like, I guess my phone heard me say that and then I see the ad pop up in the mm-hmm. next article I read and that's just kind of disturbing. Yeah, it is. Hi. There was this, uh, Jim Gaffigan did this cranberry bit when there was a cranberry craze for juices and he talks about, he, he, he's, he's up on stage and he said, and he pretty much ends his joke with, whoa, cran man, you gotta, you gotta settle down. You're like, you're like spreading your children into all these extra fruits. Stop, stop. Let's stop muddling everything. Let's just make cranberry juice and apple juice and grape juice and just keep them separate. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what it feels like is happening with marketing that all of all of my data gets integrated and mixed and sorted through i i i'm i don't know i'm i've become i've become a collection of prestons rather than a preston you would probably say that's true though independent of your online life i yeah. i think that we've we've kind of agreed before that our identities function that way mm-hmm. you know it's not just a singular thing it's a multitude mm-hmm. um but marketing doesn't really discriminate against that. Um, it kind of just lumps it all together and it's pretty dang effective. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't know who gets paid to design the algorithms for YouTube, but they are dang successful with me and how I spend my time. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of YouTube that I watch just by virtue of seeing something pop up in a recommended area, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we were talking about loneliness and somehow yeah, we got all the way down into here, which is fine. Um, did you have a chance to go over the sickness study that I sent you? Yeah, I went through a little bit of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not all 60 pages. or No, certainly was. not. And there's a lot of fine print, so to speak, that mm-hmm. um, that isn't the point. Um, but I was very surprised to see, like, some of the numbers in that study. Um, roughly speaking, half of the population feels lonely, mm-hmm. which yeah. is way more than I would have thought. Yep. And another kind of shocking thing, I want to say it was 18% of people feel like they have someone who they can talk to. And Mm -hmm. that means 82 or so percent don't. Right. That's also scary. And I, I almost like, I don't understand that. I mean, the sample size of their study is in the thousands. It's, it's not like it's comprehensive of Mm -hmm. this world or this country, but it's still alarming enough to, to pay attention to and think like, how how did that happen yeah you know because surely even 50 years ago i think that number would have been almost exactly the opposite i think it would be closer to 80 percent rather than 18 so i'm going to try to do something if it works good uh while i was driving here as quickly as i could 1a released a podcast about sneakers and uh tennis shoes and uh, they gave you a little synopsis of the history of where sneakers came from and how people can't, some people can't stand them being called sneakers. They should be called like athletic shoes or tennis shoes. And depending on where you're from, you use those terms. Anyway, yeah, sneakers is a ridiculous term. Yeah. People hate the word sneakers for some reason in, ref- in reference to shoes. So anyways, um, one of the first questions after the little, the little recap of history about sneakers was, a person saying, a person asking, 
aren't shoes just kind of pointless aesthetics sometimes like you're just you're just paying to make your feet look good and as a as an extremely pragmatic person yeah like give me give me shoes that are going to hold up i don't really care a, a whole bunch about what they look like i want something that that will stand my feet for at least 4 or 5 years be good quality um not cause me back pain blah blah, blah. well if we take this surface level that's that this this question is getting at sneakers or athletic shoes whatever you want to call them kind of at depending on how they're made sometimes are just aesthetic choices they're not actually functional one they don't have much function other than like pretty foot covers for me social media does that same thing at times social media is this is this surface level interaction just as sneakers sometimes are just surface level um, functionality and there's not even really functionality in it and so I, w- I would I would ask that same thing of social media is there in the in that social integration or social interaction is there a lot of functionalism in it or is it still extremely surface level and I'm asking that because social social interaction so you and I sitting in this room right now we see each other's body cues facial expressions we can hear we we can just maybe our listeners can hear too but we can we can hear each other's um, intonations and breaths and we can watch our eye movements lots of lots of little ticks you're making me um, so really self-conscious all of a sudden yeah well, well i pay attention to that stuff anyways um that's how i know when to use my cathartic voice oh yes uh so with social media interactions, you don't get any of that. You mm-hmm. get words. You get words, exclamation marks, capitalized letters, capitalized sentences, um, question marks, periods, semicolons if somebody really cares. So I, <laughs> I like to me, social media is is kind of the surface level interaction. It's not it's not an in-depth thing. No, certainly not. Now. I would say that articles, so these long-form articles that we started the podcast off with, those are more social interaction for me than, than social media is. Because when you're reading an article, you can get someone's tone. Mm-hmm. The longer you read it, the more you can be like, oh, this person really doesn't like that. But how can you tell from blank words? Why does a text not convey the same thing? Mm-hmm. Why does a Facebook post, which... Huh, just like it's just shit plopped down on a page anyways <laughs> um why do why do imager posts or instagram posts why why do those things not convey the same things that so that physical interaction or even long form articles convey you distracted me because every time anyone says uh imager the website mm-hmm. i always have this moment of like wait what and that, cause I, I always read it as Imger. Uh-huh. It's so stupid to read it that way, but that's just what my brain does. <laughs> it's fine. And I just, I lost your point for a second. Mm-hmm. But um, your point about sneakers and social media, I, th- I think that that pretty much holds. Um, I've never thought about sneakers in that way because like, I know growing up wearing flip-flops, it's, it's one of those things where like shoes, like I just hate wearing shoes in general. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not even thinking about aesthetics and like, mm-hmm. But that that's not the point. The point is with social media, I think that 
there's always like this this mediation um going on that just obscures what's really there and that's one of the reasons i deleted my facebook and that's one of the reasons i don't really use a lot of social media i use twitter because i think in the same way you you get these prepackaged thoughts that aren't really representative Mm -hmm. of the person um but it feels like if you use twitter in 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 my opinion the right way you get to a place where there is a pretty consistent ongoing conversation and there are long form articles and there are thoughtful videos and, you know, funny Mm -hmm. jokes and all kinds of stuff like that, that you get out of human interaction. Like one of the things that this is moving away from social media a little bit, but um, one of the things I always say I like about podcasts is that it feels like you're sitting in a room with your friends, but you don't have to, you don't have the obligation of being interesting or responding or being funny or whatever. You can just appreciate the people in the room. And, um, I think when, when you, this is true, even when we podcast, it's like when you're putting something out there though, there's always this dual awareness. Like you and I just started, um, Twitch streaming and your first comment really was like, this feels like voyeurism Mm -hmm. and there's some truth in that. Like I kind of dismissed that comment, but like that, that lingered in my brain. Cause yeah, there is something kind of, um, I don't want to say arrogant, but like performative, um, you know, like it, it presumes certain things, mm-hmm. um, just that very action. And that's how I always feel when you see like an Instagram model, like an impossibly beautiful person with this like like exact lighting and angle and setting and all this kind of stuff. If you're not, if you're not thinking complexly about that, then that can ensnare you pretty mm-hmm. quickly. And, um, you know, one of these, uh, we talked about this in the last episode, the idea of... Uh, not comparing yourself to others, but who you were yesterday. I think yeah. that, that comes back into play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So. Sorry, that, it's, it's just a, it's an extremely helpful aphorism. Even though you don't, I don't think you like aphorisms. That's a very helpful aphorism. Did I say I don't like aphorisms? You at some point did. Maybe I did. I, th- I think I might have been sloppy when I said that because... I love like Nietzsche, like his mm-hmm. aphorisms and stuff like that. You don't like aphorisms that truncate quotes. Oh, I hate it when someone says, "There's a quote by Preston that, Johnston." Yeah. Uh, or sometimes it's acceptable when someone says, "And I quote," you know. But mm-hmm. usually speaking, I think you should just integrate that into your own thinking and speech and whatever. Right. Um, and I, I do the best that I can with that. I probably contradict myself and break that rule. But um, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah. Treating yourself... Well, sorry. Comparing yourself not to others, but to who you were yesterday, I think is a great, great idea. And that's something that I struggle with, even though I've accepted that as something that I'm going to try and do. So. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I need to give myself a moment because that... That's emotionally important to me. That thought. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack just from that little, that little aphorism. Okay, the the lady who is talking about sneakers, um, and her quote, her little her little blurb about how they can be um, simply aesthetics, like nearly functionless aesthetics, asinines. Sure, that too, but aesthetics. Um, I remember in a car a long time ago. Um, this circles back to what I was, what I started a moment ago. I said aesthetics are stupid or pointless, and you didn't, you didn't like that. No, I remember you being pretty wrong about that. Yeah, yeah, you, you wanted to make sure that you, that I knew I was wrong. Um, (laughs) 
That I sounds still, malicious. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think you were malicious. You were you were very to the point. Um, I still think. I still have a lot of issue with aesthetics. Hmm. Um, and I think I need to define in my brain still what I mean by aesthetics. Because if I look around my room, I can see I have... I have three different authors hanging up and I have, I have, uh, you know, those, what are they? They're the Buddhist prayer flags or whatever. Himalayan prayer flags. They're not, but they're in the, they're in the Mm -hmm. theme of it. And instead of, instead of cloths, I have, uh, I have a written script from different languages, spelling out alphabets and phonetic Mm -hmm. and phonetic, uh, sounds in, in, in the image of, uh, the prayer flags. And then I have insects and, uh, well manicured computer and so those things are aesthetics but they're aesthetics by choice they're doing something functional to me mm-hmm. um they're they're speaking about and this is what the lady finally said i'm so glad i did this tangent because it brought me back to my point um so this is what the lady said about sneakers that sneakers are when they are highly aesthetic help bring out nuances about that person I had a lot of problems with that with that statement because how and what are they what are they bringing out because if 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 we go back to the Himalayan style prayer flags that are really authors and scripts from different languages and phonetic pronunciations from different languages and the bugs and the manicured computer, mm. those things will tell you that I I really enjoy entomology and the study of bugs and collecting them. I enjoy reading and writing and I really like language and listening to people, people's language because it integrates me with their culture um, or at least shows me their culture. And then I also truly love computers. And so these aesthetic choices, these three main, these three main um, aesthetic choices that I have in my room for what I chose to make look, to make look pretty convey something specific they're doing something functional. Blake's now squinting at me. I'm squinting at you because you're talking like you only have three things in your room, right? That, that are aesthetic, um, well, I, I, and I, devoid of function. Like, yeah, there's a photograph hanging on the wall of you and your family. Mm-hmm. There's a painting above your computer on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's decorative choices like the kind of lamp that you have in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. Like that's not simply a function. That's an aesthetic choice. Right. Like I, it was I'm, on sale. It was an. It's a function. It was on sale. Okay, so you undermine one of the three that I just <laughs> gave you. No, there's there's other things, and I'm, yeah. and I'm not trying to be nitpicky about no, that. I I no, think that fine. you actually adhere to aesthetics more than you're compromising on. Maybe uh, the painting comes from France, and it's the Bridge of Reality. Yeah, and that's a function for sure. It is. It reminds me to think well. Anyway, <laughs> I I mean it doesn't it doesn't have a function, I guess. I mean, it has a psychological function. I wouldn't yeah. deny you that, but like in the in the sense that it's like ergonomic, I don't think that that's no. You know, like I, I'm just trying to push back a little bit on that because that like take for example the chest that you're sitting on that obviously mm-hmm. has a function. You made a choice to sand it down and stain it and mm-hmm. make it look a, a different way, and it's like right. why would you do that other than just the enjoyment of the process? It, it looks better. It conveys something. But I mean, I like working with wood. Oh, and so and so I can like and again back to back to my point. 
I can understand those those aesthetic choices because those aesthetic choices purposefully convey something. Hmm. And maybe they really convey something back to myself. Like these are, we, we shouldn't look at these, the three things I said and then the things you pointed out in this chest that I'm sitting on, we shouldn't look at them as expressing something to other people. We should more so look at them as mirrors that hmm. I use. Yeah. And so that's important. And so maybe the shoes are doing the same thing. Yeah. These, yeah. these aesthetic sneakers are doing the same thing. Uh, well, they're definitely signaling things, whether or not we want to admit that or not. I mean, mm-hmm. like on some kind of unconscious level, like there's status symbols involved and all sorts of things like that. Like if you wear a neon yellow pair of sneakers, you're mm-hmm. going to catch a lot more looks and, and there's going to be implications that people assume about you mm-hmm. based on if you wear some kind of like neutral black sneakers. Right. Know? Um, and I think, I think that that's mostly all the way down as far as those things go. But, um, I don't know. I've just, uh, I'm a firm believer in aesthetics. Like I think the example, I I actually haven't studied much aesthetic theory. Um, and the professors under which I did study it were pretty dismissive of it. So I I don't Mm, really have a firm foundation, but like, um, your skateboard wheels when you got them. I think that's where this argument for us began was like, you got new skateboard wheels and they were white. And my first thought was those are going to get dirty and look ugly in like a day. And like, that sounds like a superficial thing because mm-hmm. they function identically to black wheels or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, now they've kind of accumulated the dirt and the grime and the wear and tear and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't look bad and they certainly don't function differently. But like, I think that that's one of those things where, um, it's more tasteful, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm assuming when I say that, but but there's something in there about like better and worse that I don't quite know. Hmm. Uh, back to Persig's idea of quality. Like, yeah, but everything circles back to that. Feels like at least. it does. Well, that's a comprehensive book. Like it's, yeah, it, it feels like it tries to do everything um, between East and West modes of thinking. Mm-hmm. The loneliness thing, I think, easy fixes are. Like like I previously said, going using the the low social bars of dr- going out and drinking, um, going out and clubbing, going out and not 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 tech not engaging, not engaging with the specific interests you have, mm-hmm. but trying to engage for any type of social interaction, hmm. no matter what it is. And so th- I think that's where relationships come into view. Uh, if there's interest. If there's interest made, uh, that interest, no matter what type of interest it is, is a, is good, is something sought after, and that's what that's what the article is talking about. What type of what type of relationships are people creating now? Are we creating ones purposely to help us, or are we creating ones to purposely get rid of the loneliness? I feel like an out of touch dad with this question because like mm-hmm. I don't very actively make new relationships with people, yeah. at least at this point. Uh, in my life I mean you have three kids I have five have and five. Oh. um yeah it's been a while mm. yeah, it has. Th- that six month hiatus that we took between episodes uh-huh. that uh you know I got busy you didn't lose one right that's that's why I thought or two that's why I there thought were six three. but now there's five got it okay um so like the closest thing I have to that is is my experience with online dating which has not been recommendable uh for for people but like a lot of the reasons people do that is just to, to quiet the loneliness, not mm-hmm. the other way around. You know, they're not genuinely interested in a specific person and want to, you know, continue interacting with them and build a relationship around seeing that person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I think is the way that it's kind of supposed to be. Um, and I've, I've maintained for a long time that the best and most meaningful interactions that I've had have come about by accident, you know, mm-hmm. like just in proximity, like I'm just hanging out with my other friend and then they bring someone over and then boom. But I, I don't know how much we really like, I don't know how much a study like the Cygnus study is playing into this kind of alarmism about this mm-hmm. generation. Yeah. And, but I, I do want to take it seriously at the same time because I, I've experienced a kind of loneliness that's not, you know, like it doesn't feel mentally healthy. And I, I know people who have, who have done that to a pretty pitiful extent. Um, I, I want to make sure that we mitigate that as much as possible, but at the same time, it almost feels too, too like trendy and too stereotypical to describe this generation. I mean, uh, yeah, our generation is one of the most watched after generations. We, it's like people, people, it's like we're laying in a crib and people are like, don't roll near the corners. There's hinges there. You might pinch your little fingers, even though the hinges don't move. Like it's just, we, our generation is, is we are studied. It feels like we are studied by previous generations to find out if we're doing the right thing. If we're if we're going downhill, if things are really that bad, yeah, it feels like we're stepping on cultural Legos. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. E- every time we take a step, it's like this super painful thing, and mm-hmm. it's like it's not our fault. I didn't leave the Legos lying around on the floor. Yeah, but millennials are killing everything. Supposedly, my mother is dealing with um, not millennials. She's dealing with a generation that's just below her. Uh, my uncle Jeff's generation, so fifties, forties, those okay. guys. She hates them. <laughs> like she really hates them. Um, I was blunt. One of the things, one of the things that she really despises about them is they are really backstabby, and hmm. they are they are they're the they're the go getter generation. Um, that's not their name, but they're they're known for getting things done. But they get things done in a in very roundabout and sometimes socially destructive ways, hmm. um, conniving, manipulation. Stuff like that. Hmm. And that's what mom's dealing with. And her generation is the, uh, she's, she's part of the baby boomers or, uh, like the, the very, the, um, the middle or the, the end of the baby boomer generation. Hmm. Um, and so she's, she doesn't know what to do with those types of people because my mom is still, you know, the baby boomers supposedly sit on laurels. They sit on, they sit on the, the the um, uh, social security and all that stuff. They're going to get a lot of stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and this generation below them is the generation where they supposedly aren't. Uh, millennials supposedly definitely aren't getting anything, but this generation is angry at the baby boomers. Yeah. It's easy to hate the baby boomers though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I kind of grew up hating the baby boomers. Yes. <laughs> um, rightly or wrongly. 